Welcome, everyone, back to BAMS Radio. I know we've taken an extended break, but as we said, on our last episode uh, during the offseason, we would probably be coming back periodically before getting back at it on a weekly basis uh, when fall practice starts for the University of Alabama. But I'm your co-host, Drudy Armand, here with, of course, uh, uh, Thomas Watts, uh, my partner in crime, uh, the wizard behind the curtain, also a co-host of the show, plus the producer extraordinaire. And our third amigo is with us, as always, a former University of Alabama national champion in 1992 and offensive lineman from 89 to 93 and one of the best insiders when it comes to University of Alabama football, and that's William Redfish Barger. He's with us. William, I hope you've had a good beginning of the summer so far. How are you doing this evening? Man, I'm doing great, Drew. It's I'm sure y'all are experiencing it, you know, even even to a, a, a bigger extent up in Huntsville. Um, man, it, it, you know, the weather's been great. Um, after a, uh, you know, the, the tropical storm coming through last week, and you know, high humidity and and you know, excessive temperatures. Um, I mean, we've kind of gotten a, you know, kind of a reprieve with uh, either whatever you want to call it, either spring-like or fall-like weather. Uh, the last couple of days. So, I mean, I, I'm doing great. It's, uh, you know, nice to walk out of the, the door in the morning uh, for the last couple of days, and it feels like March or October instead of June. Yeah, you know, it's been a little warm, but so far, nice weather, as you said. Uh, a lot of that rain that uh, you hit it, it has hit the uh, the state of Alabama has cooled things off a little bit, uh, no question about that. But uh, you never really cool off Alabama football, and, uh, we've had some breaking news today. Uh, the first thing to talk about, I know this is a guy that's been an integral part of Nick Saban's program since he came to Tuscaloosa in 2007. He retired from on-field coaching uh, into after the 2011 uh, national title, and and uh, really uh, and 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 or, or William, I guess I, I should I, I should correct myself. I think he actually retired after 2010, uh, and then but was. Go. Was, and he was also a consultant from that point forward for the 2011-2012 championships. Uh, then in 2015 and really this past year, he's been a someone that's been a, a consultant to this program since that time, but now looks to be taking a, you know, a step away uh, from the University of Alabama, from the, maybe going into, I guess you would call permanent retirement. But just your thoughts on Joe Pendry, who, of course, uh, was uh, on the uh, on-field staff, as we said, for 07, 08, 09, and then 2010 for four seasons, and then been a big part of the organization, let's say, uh, from that point forward, and now looks to be uh, maybe finally completely retiring from the University of Alabama. Yeah, and, you know, I think Nick Saban will you know, probably feel a, uh, a little bit of a void or a loss there, um, you know, uh, you know, for, for people that don't know, I mean, he was probably the only person, you know, in that building, the, the Malmore Athletic Facility from 2007 until yesterday when he retired that actually, you know, called Nick, Nick. Um, you know, that's a guy that Nick Saban has really held uh, close to the best and leaned on a lot uh, while he was building the, the Alabama dynasty, the, you know, the juggernaut that you see. Uh, today, uh, Joe Pendry had a huge part in that. Um, you know his, you know knowledge. You know when, when you're, you know, uh, as well of an line coach as he was, at the college and the pro level. Um, you know, people don't know this, but you know he was actually 
uh, Chris Samuel's position coach when 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 Big Sam was a an All Pro uh, offensive tackle for the Washington Redskins uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, he, you know, I mean, the guy's got a resume unlike any resume that you'll ever see when it comes to uh, evaluating and developing offensive linemen. And I think as a byproduct of that, I mean, I've seen quotes from, uh, you know, even when Jim McElwain was the head coach of Florida, um, there were some, you know, questions that came up about, you know, his time at Alabama under Nick Saban, you know, as the offensive coordinator. And, you know, the guy that he talked about more than Nick Saban was Joe Pendry, um, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, hey, we might want to try this versus this team. And, you know, Jim McElwain was real quick to say that Joe Pendry was, you know, the guy offensively that said, well, you know, you can do that, but this is where the holes are in that philosophy or that, that approach. And this is my, why, this is what you're going to see to try and stop it. Uh, one of the great football minds um, uh, of not just our generation, Drew, but probably more so our parents' generation um, you know, he's got a farm right outside of Tuscaloosa, which I hope that's where um, he permanently retires to. But a, a really undersung hero, you know, a guy that's probably floated more so under the radar than a lot of people realize. And, you know, I, I think somebody that, you know, Nick Saban, if you really pressed him, would tell you is a huge loss um, for Nick Saban uh, out of his, you know, pocketbook of people that he leans on heavily for day-to-day decisions and operational issues it's certainly a loss for Alabama and Nick Saban yeah I mean he's been a big part of the success I, I know even uh as he uh you know retired off from off the field coach and I remember uh seeing him on the sidelines before games Barrett Jones uh was was very close with Joe Pendry pretty much all the offensive linemen uh, he did a great job of of coaching them and uh, and kind of setting a tone and being as you said maybe one of the most trusted confidants of Nick Saban uh, and I know he's still been a big help with the evaluations of the offensive linemen and kind of how how uh, the the O line uh, you know has uh, developed over time at Alabama uh, but then now you know Brent Key he it, it should be his show completely. Uh, you know, there was, you know, there's, there was been, so there was some speculation that uh, Coach Key might be leaving after last year. He certainly has stayed on, and he's been doing a great job recruiting. I know you've lauded that, uh, you know, uh, throughout this cycle. He's putting together a monster recruiting class uh, along that offensive line, and I mean, and and then we, as we know, Alabama's had their first summer camp, William, uh, this week, and it, it's wrapped, it wrapped up today. Uh, I don't think this young man that I'm about to ask you about is going to be a part of the class right now. I think he certainly has some academic work to do. And then Alabama has to look at it from a numbers perspective. We've already told our listeners about the five-man group that we think Alabama is leading for. But it looks like uh, the name Tamar Bell is continuing to come up uh, from Colquitt County, an offensive guard prospect that sounds like he really impressed Nick Saban and the coaching staff this week at camp. Well, you know, I think he impressed him, uh, you know, probably a year ago, you know, just as much, if not more so, than uh, he impressed him this week at camp. You know, and the the ability is not the the problem there. There's some there's some great issues. Um, I would be really surprised if if Bell is a part of the signing class, uh, you know, come February. 
Um, I think he might end up having to, you know, go the JUCO route, and you might see that, you know, whip around take place where he, he's in the fold later on. Um, but, you know, when, when you look at it, Drew, I mean, you know, they've got, you know, Pierce Quick committed, um, you know, Amari Kite, um, you know, they've got the, the Bulls kid from, from Lexington that's a developmental player, um, you know, Everybody thinks that, that Clay Webb is going to be a part of this class in December when he decides to, to go public with his commitment. And then you've also got the number one offensive tackle in the country, um, Darnell Wright. So that's Wright, Webb, Kai, Quick, and the kid from uh, Kentucky. There's five right there. Mm-hmm. I, I just think from a number standpoint, you know, you're not going to see Nick Saban turn away um, you know, a special talent like Darnell Wright to take Bell in this class um, and take six offensive linemen, you know, because that's not where the need is right now. The, the need's on the other side of the line of scrimmage, at defensive line. But I do think that, you know, Bell is a kid that has proven um, that he's an elite football player despite his low ranking. And, uh, you know, you might see him come back into the fold after a year or two in junior college, but I just don't see him being a part of the class. Um, unless Alabama was to lose, you know, a guy like uh, Darnell Wright or Clay Webb to another school, and at this point I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, and I agree, and that's, that's what I've tried to – I've already had people asking me, can Bell commit, and I was like, look, you know, you need to slow your roll. He needs to get his academics in order. I mean, certainly he'll be someone that they, they monitor in bird dog. And you made a great point about maybe uh, placing him in junior college and or a prep school. And it, could, could he be a part maybe of the 2020 cycle? I mean, that's certainly possible. Uh, and they do have that those five guys that they have really zeroed in on. And you were, of course, refer, uh, referencing the uh, University of Ken- or excuse me, the uh, Kentucky native Tanner Bowles, uh, who committed early to Alabama, who they, they really started evaluating last year. Uh, but uh, on that defensive line, uh, that's an area I'm intrigued with because, of course, everybody has uh, focused on Emil Sopcher, uh, and uh, and uh, and I know uh, LSU has uh, gotten more confident on him. But LSU, they're going to have to win some games. Uh, they they've got to uh, if they want uh, Sopcher and Devonta Lee from uh, Midi, Louisiana, they're going to have to win, and uh, they have a brutal schedule. We've already talked about that. No guarantees there. I mean, if they if they go south in a hurry, then I think the optimism uh, in Baton Rouge would uh, definitely go down. And uh, Devonta Lee is an interesting case because I've heard also Nick Saban likes him at safety. And with uh, Sam Petito yes. still being a part of that Alabama staff, though, uh, that, that that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. I wanted to get your thoughts. I know, of course, we focus on Alabama, but a big since we've last been with the listeners, Joe Burrow. The transfer graduate transfer quarterback has moved on from Ohio State to LSU. Uh, are people overrating Burrow in your mind with his limited body of work, or can he give LSU a chance to be a contender? Because you've seen that schedule too, William. To me, I know LSU is going to be good on defense, but I don't see how they avoid at least four losses on that schedule. Hell, Drew, I'll take it one step further than that. I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of predictions and. I don't disagree with them. You know, I, I, I'll be surprised if they don't lose right out of the gate in game one versus Miami, you know, which will certainly send their, their season uh, into a tailspin. 
uh, going into their SEC schedule. But, you know, I think what we're looking at here is, you know, I would have bet you all the money that you wanted to bet when Jeremy Pruitt departed in December, well, you know, after the national championship game versus Georgia, obviously. But, you know, when he was putting his staff together in early December, because he was the guy that brought Sam Petito from Georgia back to Alabama, um, that, that Jeremy Pruitt would have been able to lure him, talking about Sam Petito, from Tuscaloosa to Knoxville. And, you know, when that didn't work out, you know, that was a huge red flag to me. Um, because that's where the relationship was. And, and you know, um, you know, the, the, the two guys that, that he was heavily involved with when, when Jeremy was at Georgia and then kind of filtering back to Tuscaloosa, um, you know, two guys that both ended up um, in Tuscaloosa instead of elsewhere was, was Devonta Smith, the wide receiver, and Shaheen Carter, the DB. So, you know, I think we're fixing to find out just how valuable San Petito is, you know, to the recruiting efforts. You know, come National Signing Day, the first Wednesday in February, if you see, you know, Soster and, and Lee sign with Alabama, you're going to get your answer on that. But, you know, Drew, I've kind of got a little bit different take on, um, you know, both of those kids. Um, there, There is so many elite defensive line players out there you know and this plays into Alabama's advantage from a recruiting standpoint there's so many elite defensive line prospects out there this year I think there is a really good chance that Alabama um, signs both the number one offensive line class and the number one defensive line class in this recruiting cycle and if that happens um, based on what Alabama's currently got on campus at the quarterback position, the running back position, and uh, the wide receiver position, you, you, you might as well not even play the games. I mean, it would take a, uh, you, know, you know, some sort of meltdown like Nick Saban at Alabama had at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2013 when the kick six, uh, you know, crap took place. Um, if, if Alabama can reload rapidly at the D-line position, when it, that's what it looks like is happening right now. Um, you know, it, it, it's just not even fair based on what everybody else has at their disposal at other schools. And I'm also of the position that, you know, uh, the softer kid, and I know, you know, you and I both know how this works. You know, when Nick Saban you know, focuses in on a player, uh, whether it's Terry Connor over in Mississippi or Cam Robinson and uh, Cam Sims in Louisiana. You know, he tends to win those battles, but I just don't see the the, the, the softer kid or Devonta Lee as being make-or-break recruits for Alabama in this recruiting cycle. Um you know, if they were to strike out on Softshire come, you know, uh, National Signing Day, you know, there was a kid that was on Alabama's campus uh, yesterday, Drew, from, from California named Stephon Wright. Right, we were just going to ask you about him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're, you're talking about a, a sudden, quick twitch, violent, uh, you know, does everything that you want to see. You know, not to mention that. But, you know, um, I was also told that, uh, 
you know, a local homegrown prospect here um, from the outskirts of Birmingham at Clay Chalkville. Um, it's a current Alabama commitment. DJ Dale put on a, a clinic yesterday. So, you know, they've got so many options for, for, for this 2019 class um, that I'm already on the record saying is going to be the number one recruiting class in the country. And this is, you know, coming out of the end of May, going into the first part of June. You, you know, you, you might as well go ahead and put Alabama in permanent ink that's going to finish with the number one class and pencil in the, the, the people that are, you know, picking up the scraps after that. And that includes Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and the normal guys that are up there uh, normally battling for that number one recruiting class. It's going to be Alabama and then a huge gap behind them and then everyone else. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Stefan, right, hearing good things about him and then the the thing, uh, you know, after reading some of his reaction and about that young man, uh, of course, uh, he is from the state of California, but uh, he has a lot of ties, William, to the state of Alabama, a lot of family already uh, in the state. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's someone that, uh, I, you know, they list him at 6'3", 260, but I'm sure they're going to put weight on him. And uh, and uh, it sounds like uh, Coach Kugliagowski really likes him a lot, and he really likes Alabama because – from what he's, from what we've, what I've heard, he has a lot of family in Utah, Alabama, and really grew up an Alabama fan. So this is a situation really worth watching, I think. And I hope it is because, uh, you know, when you watch his film, you know he's playing, you know, high caliber, you know, state of California high school football. You know, when you watch his film, Drew, I mean, it's violent hands. Um, you know, when he catches somebody tiptoeing around in the backfield, you know, he does a, a WWF, you know, finishing move on them, uh, plays sideline to sideline. Um, I, you know, I, we talked about him, um, you know, on the Facebook page, I think back around, you know, post-National Signing Day, February, March, somewhere in there. And uh, we talked about it then. But, you know, after his performance at camp yesterday, which, you know, I heard he hit out of the park. Um, you know, I hope the, uh, the offer that was extended is a committable offer because I, I think that guy um, could file right in behind maybe a guy like Antonio Alfano um, that, that is a true difference maker at the defensive line position. Then, of course, people are already asking because he committed so early, and you talked about Alabama being in on so many good defensive linemen. Does your what does your gut tell you about Rashard Cheney? Uh, you know he he had he had decommitted from Georgia. There was some talk that UGA had backed away from him. Uh, Coach Cool obviously really liked Cheney. The Alabama jumped on him and got his commitment. Uh, with all these other defensive linemen, uh, they've got Alfano, Sopcher. They're still continuing to recruit heavily uh, in this cycle. Uh, do you do you expect Cheney to still be with this class at Alabama or? Do you think, uh, quote-unquote, Alabama is going to continue to recruit over him? You know, I, I think it's a little bit different situation. I think, for, you know, from the number standpoint with what they have going out the door after this class, I mean, obviously, you know, unless, you know, Raquan Davis gets hurt, um, you know, he's, he's certainly going to be a, a top 20 pick, in my opinion, in the NFL draft next spring. Uh, you know, I, I do think that they're going to take six guys at the D-line position. Um, 
you know, could Alabama recruit over him? Yeah, they could, but, um, you know, I, I know how much uh, Coach Cool, uh, you know, values him as a recruit. Um, you know, he, he's got a, a really impressive film, in my opinion. Um, needs some work on technique. He needs to learn how to lose, you know, use his hands better. But when you see him, you know, change directions, put his foot in the ground, uh, chase a quarterback, uh, you know, take on a uh, an offensive lineman at the point of attack. I mean, he's got everything you want. Um, you know, could he get recruited over? To answer your question, I think the honest answer is yes. But I'd be a little bit surprised if that happens. I mean, I think he's got a chance, Drew, to be a, uh, you know, maybe a Dalvin Tomlinson type guy if he does stick and gets into the developmental program in Tuscaloosa. I've been impressed too with his quickness off the snap. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I've been, uh, I really liked what I saw. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I do think, and cause there was, there was the fans, uh, and people that followed recruiting that weren't high on the DJ Dell commitment when it first happened. But as soon as I watched his tape, I really liked him and really liked what I saw. And I know, um, you know, he, uh, he, the, the, he competed against Thompson high school in his jamboree. Uh, and I know uh, Thompson's loaded with talent. You know that. But as you've already previously said in our segment, uh, from what you're hearing, uh, after this first camp uh, from uh, June the 3rd till today, D.J. Dale came uh, uh, you know, to Tuscaloosa and really performed well also. Well, and I, I think, you know, I, I was, you know, privy to an interview that his head coach did on, on local Birmingham Sports Talk Radio, um, you know, post you know, spring, I'd say this was end of April, first part of May. And, you know, his coach talked about how um, he had an inter- uh, an injury that, you know, kind of prevented him from getting into tip-top shape going into, you know, his junior season. And, you know, the thing that really stuck out to me was um, the head coach talked about how he was 15 pounds overweight um, play in his junior year, you know, the film may not have really been, you know, indicative of, of just how good he was. You know, now he's dropped 12 pounds. He's fully healthy. You know, Drew, you've seen the reports of what he did at, at Alabama's camp um, yesterday, or excuse me, today and yesterday. And, uh, you know, I think that's a case right there where, um so some people on the internet might not be that excited about him, but the college coaches that have to, you know, make their living on, on taking one of these guys, um, you know, 12 pounds lighter, fully healthy. Um, I, I think this kid is a, uh, you know, a poor man's version of Deron Payne. And let's see where he ends up in the uh, recruiting rankings uh, post-December. Um, in January and February, I think he's going to get a huge bump in the rankings. And, you know, he's not going to end up being a five-star guy just based on the, the, the position that he's projected to play in college. But I think you'll see him, uh, talking about D.J. Dell, I think you'll see him rated um, a real, real high four-star by a lot of the recruiting services. And coming up uh, in just about 10 days, William, uh, he'll be on campus for an official visit. He's committed to Texas A&M from Judson, Texas. 
what are your thoughts on uh, DeMarvin Neal, and do you think uh, that Alabama has a legit shot to flip him? I mean, I know he, he just committed uh, you know, a couple months ago uh, to the Aggies, but there's been a lot of talk about uh, DeMarvin and, and Alabama uh, since that commitment, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and then, of course, the official visit was announced. Uh, but we know, uh, of course, Jimbo Fisher and his staff are, are going to be, uh, you know, or, and I should say, let me rephrase what I just said. DeMarvin Leal, pardon me, I said Neal, but DeMarvin Leal from Judson, Texas, 6'4", 280-pound defensive lineman. Uh, with DeMarvin Leal, uh, what do you think Alabama's chances are with that young man? And what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? I think, I, well, first of all, my thoughts on him as a prospect is um, – I think he's a wrecking ball as a five-technique defensive lineman. I think, um, you know, he's got everything you look for. He's got the length. Um, he's got the quick twitch. He's got the explosiveness. He can change direction. Um, you know, if I was, you know, sitting down right now and wanted to give you, you know, my Christmas list of, you know, the defensive linemen um, that I want in this class, it would probably start with Antonio Alfano, um, and probably I would get into a number two A and two B um, process with you, with with uh, Leal and uh, Stephon Wright from California. I think those two guys are both elite football players, and you know we're talking about a, a little bit different of a dynamic. Um, because he is a Texas guy, um, you got Jimbo out there at A and M. You know he's got you know a lot of really good resources. You know Texas A and M probably has arguably as good, if not better, facilities than Alabama. But I would say that's something to really watch down the stretch because um, he's very desired by the Alabama coaching staff, and he is a big time football player. Um, you know, you're the perfect five technique defensive end prospect. He's uh, he's certainly a good one. There's no doubt about that, William. And uh, Marcus Banks from Houston, Texas, is going to be in to visit that weekend as well. Uh, he's a corner that I know Alabama has a lot of interest in. Uh, and then, from what we understand, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Dax Hill, uh, the the safety from the that 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 part of the country. And uh, from talking to people that I've spoken with, uh, with uh, him, he seems to be, as, as far as is a defensive back, near the top of uh, the Alabama board, no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, I know Oklahoma's heavily involved with me as a brother, actually, uh, that plays at Oklahoma State. Uh, but uh, he, Daxton Hill, uh, you know, from just talking to my sources over that part of the United States, they, they kind of... Uh, from an offensive standpoint, if he, if he was an offensive player, from an impact perspective, I was told Adrian Peterson of defense, basically. This guy's a ready-made, plug-and-play guy. Your thoughts on Daxton Hill, and, and do you think Alabama, they do want to add a couple of safeties. There's talk about Brandon Turnage, the commitment uh, from Oxford, Mississippi, eventually flipping to the Rebels and staying home. Uh, but do you think that uh, Alabama has a shot at uh, Daxton Hill? Yeah, I mean, I think they have a shot, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, you're talking about the, the you know, the in-home, you know, uh, in-state school that's, you know, been pretty successful over the last couple of years. 
Um, you know, I would never count out, um, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama with, with Hill's recruitment. Um, you know, he keeps coming to campus, uh, you know, making visits. Um, but, you know, if, you know, you put a gun to my head and said, you know, where do you think he signs? Um, you know, as we're sitting here in the first week of June, I think, you know, Oklahoma is probably the team to beat for him. But, you know, at the same time, uh, Nick Saban in Alabama, at least during the Nick Saban era, has had a really, really high success rate, um, you know, of putting safeties into the NFL, Landon Collins, Clinton Dix, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, but I wouldn't count Alabama and Nick Saban out with him. But as we're sitting here talking about it right now, I would still tell you that I think Oklahoma is the team to, to, to beat for him. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to be tough, but uh, that official visit is going to be very, very interesting, and to, and to kind of see, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, that, you know, he uh, it, it puts his recruitment and how big a factor Alabama truly is with him, uh, no doubt about it. I know Clemson and is also someone that uh, really thinks they have a shot uh, at Daxton Hill, and then we talked about uh, Marcus Banks. Uh, at the cornerback position. And, and that's interesting, William, that they're bringing in those three young men so early in the process in June. But with this changing calendar, the dead period of July, uh, some of these kids are wanting to get their official visits over with, I guess, in the summer uh, when there's no school. And, and theoretically, you can spend even more quality time with the coaching staff. Your thoughts on bringing in a kid on official visits uh, that early in June? Well, I- I think it's a good thing. You know, it takes the pressure off the kid, um, the recruit. I mean, it takes the pressure off the coaching staff. Um, you know, just just from, you know, me personally, as somebody that went through the recruiting process, Christ, 30 years ago, um, you know, I wanted, you know, I got it over with uh, during the dead period between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, just because, I, you know, I was tired of the, the drama and that was before the internet and all this other stuff. I mean, you know, when I went through it, it was, uh, you know, when I was getting, uh, Western union telegraphs from Pat Dye and and Vince Dooley. Um, but, but I, you know, I can't imagine the pressure that these kids are under and I respect the fact that they, they want to get it over with. Um, but you know, I, I think the, the Hill kid, like you're talking about, you know, is one to really watch, um, you know, he's, he's got a real simple decision. Does he want to stay um, at home at a really good, you know, I think, you know, quality college football playoff program with Oklahoma? Um, you know, or does he want to come and, and maybe play for, you know, the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, um, who's, you know, Bailiwick is, you know, producing NFL defensive backs. I mean, I, I do think that Alabama – is squarely in the mix with him, and I think his recruitment is something to watch. No question about it. And then more, uh, you know, camp buzz coming out, William. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, you know, Alabama had a commitment uh, from Trey Sanders of IMG Academy, uh, and he was considered the number one back in the country. Uh, but a few months ago, he decommitted. A lot of people thought Georgia was the favorite. I thought the chances were slim. Alabama. Uh, might get him back in the recruiting class, but we have uh, heard today some buzz about Alabama maybe doing some wheeling and dealing. Nick Saban doesn't do this often, and of course, 
if they do this, I still think it's going to be due to a, a walk-on type situation. He he does not uh, usually uh, take uh, you know relatives of other prospects on scholarship. I mean, we saw him take Robert Lester and Julio Jones, but Robert Lester was not related to Julio in any way, and then turned into a really good player who played in the NFL. But your thoughts on Alabama perhaps taking uh, the older brother of Trey Sanders? Uh, he's a junior college linebacker at Heinz Community College. I know that a lot of people thought that the Florida Gators may have moved to the forefront of his recruitment because uh, his uh, brother, uh, Trey Sanders' brother, uh, Umstead, uh, was going to uh, walk on at Florida. But now it looks like Alabama may be looking to get this young man on their uh, roster starting in the fall. But uh, your thoughts on Alabama perhaps uh, bringing in the brother of Trey Sanders. And we know this ru- this running back cycle is pretty weak. And uh, I know, uh, but Alabama, a lot of the, the speculation is if they do bring his brother in, they may jump back to the forefront of his recruitment. But your thoughts on what Alabama may be trying to do uh, with Trey Sanders and his brother? Well, you know, I think, number one, you got to look at this running back cycle. And, you know, in my opinion, it's it's, it's real weak. Um, you know, there's not a lot of other, um, you know, guys that have Trey Sanders measurables. I mean, he, he's a, you know, kind of an Emmett Smith clone, in my opinion, as a running back. And, um, you know, he was a guy that was committed to Alabama early and then decommitted. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Georgia and Florida, you know, thought they were in the driver's seat for his recruitment. And then all of a sudden, you know, the older brothers, you know, Umstead, you know, whatever you want to call him, uh, you know, that came into play. And, you know, I think if, you know, if Nick Saban has gone down this road and has offered, you know, either a, you know, select walk-on or maybe even possibly a a scholarship, you know, which they do have to offer, um, you know, backdating to the 2018 class, um, I'm all for it because there's really not, in my opinion, a, you know, a Najee Harris, um, you you know, game changer at running back. You know, if that's, you know, Alabama's focus at the running back position is, is, you know, is Trey Sanders that guy, Um, which we all know is a huge part of, of Nick Saban's football program, you know, is getting a game changer at running back, then I'm all for it. But, it does sound like maybe Drew that there's been some uh, shenanigans there, and maybe uh, uh, the older brother Umstead has gotten some type of offer, and that's kind of what's led to the uh, crystal balls that have been floating in all day long today for uh, Trey Sanders to Alabama. And you know, me personally, um, I hope that's true. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that's a recruitment that will also go down to um, either the early signing period in December or possibly all the way through National Signing Day. Interesting thoughts, William, uh, no doubt about it. And I think what another interesting thing is, from what we understand, Keelan Robinson, another name I've heard from the Washington, D.C. area, St. John's uh, College. They had a bunch of guys come visit uh, the University of Alabama, but he's someone the Tide's been very interested in, and he visited uh, this past weekend, and the, the little bit of intel and reaction I've heard from Keelan was that he called the visit all right, so it, it may be interesting that Alabama 
could be turning up the heat once again on Trey Sanders. But we know uh, going in that Alabama could sign around 27 prospects, uh, but they only have one senior at the running back position, Damian Harris. He will be moving on. Uh, the rest of them are not draft eligible, except for Josh Jacobs. And, we, and I don't anticipate Josh moving on uh, after his junior year. Do, do we do you think Alabama's going to take two running backs in this cycle? And then you've got, uh, of course, Jerome Ford coming in uh, as a true freshman. But is Alabama going to take two in this cycle, or uh, would they just take Trey Sanders and then take one in your mind? You know, in my mind, Drew, I think until they find out just how good Jerome Ford is, I don't think they're going to, you know, take take but one in this class until they figure out just how good Jerome Ford is. Um, you know, it's a, you know, do-or-die uh, position, and they've got so many uh, other needs at other positions. I, I don't expect them to uh, take more than one guy at that position, and it sounds like Trey Sanders is that guy. You may be right. I think, especially considering how high profile he is, one of the top one to two running backs in the country, if they can get Trey Sanders back in the fold, uh, it may just be a one-position deal for the University of Alabama, one one guy at that position, and then be done at the running back spot. Uh, no question about it. We've already talked about defensive line. We've already talked about the O-line. Alabama looking like they're going to start stacking those positions like Cordwood. But I guess we I need to ask you about Lane Hatcher. Since we last uh, spoke, Alabama, we knew after Gardner Minshew went on to Washington State to become a graduate transfer and likely their starter, that Alabama was going to continue to look due to the numbers at the quarterback position and because of likely attrition there, because there's only going to be one starter. Uh, but your thoughts on Alabama taking Lane Hatcher from Pulaski Academy, who is truly a developmental guy. I do have some intel on this. I just interviewed his coach, Kevin Kelly, on my show last week. And Kevin Kelly... If they were, he was going to sign with Arkansas State, but he and his dad thought maybe there might be a, a, a bigger school coming in later in the process, so they gambled, and they were going to gray shirt at Arkansas State. Then we saw Alabama come in. Uh, they had talked to this young man since January about being an invited walk-on, but we know after the Minshew thing uh, went up, came about that you know Alabama was looking for a quarterback, and I think they came with a late offer uh, uh, you know, uh, to – uh, to uh, Lane Hatcher, but your thoughts on adding a guy like that? We've we've heard he's a four-time state wrestling champion. He's certainly not going to play in the next year or two. Uh, but uh, wh- what were your thoughts on adding Lane Hatcher at this late in the process? Um, you know, I thought Alabama might stand pat. You know, at the quarterback position. Now, you know, him being taken, you know, kind of speaks to me a little bit, but. You know, for, from my sources, I do know that um, the Alabama coaching staff still has no clue, um, you know, exactly what Jalen Hurts' plans are. Um, you know, he, he's gone through the, the, the May, you know, period where, you know, he's gone to Nick Saban's house and participated in, you know, all the team events. Um, you know, I really thought that, you know, Alabama might try and look for a uh, – inside linebacker grad transfer to add to that position um, for depth. But, you know, they went the quarterback route. Um, You know, Drew, I wish I had some inside information 
um, to say, you know, what Jalen Hurts possible plans are, but I don't, you know, that being said, um, you know, I think we can all get back to square one and, and talk about, um, I, you know, I, I just don't see this being, um, a long drawn out quarterback battle, you know, to a tongue by Loa, um, which, you know, from everything that I saw two Saturdays ago out in California, um, when you saw him throwing passes, it was still a uh, partially healed uh, broken finger on his on his passing hand. Um, and, and what he did, um, I just don't see, you know, Sports Illustrated and CBS Sports can, you know, roll all the stories out there that they want to about this, you know, so-called quarterback battle. Um, you know, people down there on the Alabama coaching staff just don't see it that way. Um, I think that Nick Saban, you know, took the Hatcher kid um, as an insurance policy, you know, in case that uh, Jalen Hurts and his father decides to, uh, you know, exit the building, whether it's before fall camp, during fall camp, or uh, before the fourth game when he can transfer out, a la just like Blake Barnett did. So we'll just have to see how that works out. Um, but, but I do feel, Drew, and you and I have talked about this over and over again, um, you know, once, you know, the, the, the Tua Tungvaloa uh, era is done at Alabama, it's going to be uh, baby Tua versus Mac Jones at the quarterback position. I mean, that's, that's an absolute. Yeah, there's no question about that. I think – uh, what I took from it, uh, just reading the tea leaves, is uh, you know I you know I still think Jalen's going to leave and probably before the season. I mean I just don't buy the fact that he's going to redshirt uh, behind a guy that's took his job after starting two years and then leave as a grad transfer. I don't see that, uh, and I don't see him being a backup and losing a year of eligibility uh, in mop up duty or just playing two guys. He's got two years of eligibility. It's precious. He's never redshirted. I just see him moving on, sitting out. Uh, is a grad transfer, and then uh, and then finishing his career the next two years at another institution. I thought it was interesting today, William Quentin Dormady, former starter and in, in Texas native at, at Tennessee, ended up at Houston uh, with uh, with the, uh, with uh, Major Applewhite. He's only got one year left, and Major was playing a kind of a, a converted wide receiver by since Kyle Allen washed out at the end of last year in their bowl game. If Quentin Dormady is their starter for a year. Uh, then Houston would have a position open. I still think Houston is a school to watch with Jalen Hurts along with Baylor. He could sit out there and then play for major and then uh, be their starter for two years and go back to his hometown. So, uh, you know, I, I wish Jalen all the luck in the world, but I, when if two is healthy, he's, and I, you know, from sources close to uh, that spoke recently with Dan Enos, he said Dan Enos has, has told people that, you know, this week uh, before even going, uh, before we were, he was seen in California, uh, over a week ago, and then this past weekend at the Elite 11 as a counselor, uh, that Tua was healthy. He's been throwing at Alabama, looking good, as you said, continuing to recover from that hand injury. It looks like he's going to be back to his old self. Uh, he and Jalen Hurts both out there at the Elite 11, uh, you know, uh, going through pro day workouts, both of them looking pretty sharp. But I just I, I don't see Tua being denied in this battle. And then you make a great point with uh, Talia Tungavailoa, uh, he certainly held his own out there at the Elite 11, William. He, uh, not surprisingly, in the top 12, 
Paul Tyson had some moments uh, and was out there with the top 24 QBs, but he wasn't invited to the opening finals. And I'm not really surprised by that because I consider Paul Tyson more of a developmental prospect, uh, though he has ideal size at the position. Uh, but certainly we saw more strong performances out of Talia Tongavailoa. And from you know uh, June 29th through July 3rd, I'm going to be really interested to see how Talia performs uh, against Bo Nix and the rest of that, that group because Bo Nix was very impressive as well. But uh, I'd say just from a, an arm talent standpoint that uh, Talia Tongavailoa is as good as anyone in the country. Well, you know, Drew, the thing that really baffled me was not, not talking about this past weekend at the Elite 11, but go back one more weekend to where um, uh, Baby Tua and Big Tua were throwing side by side. And, you know, I, I'm still, you know, kind of confused and baffled about um, where Jalen Hurts went in the past week to perform a pro day. You know, there, there was this, this you know, report that came out that, you know, Jalen Hurts rocked some pro day. And I'm like, who in the hell is performing a pro day, um, you know, in the first, you know, week of June, number one. Number two, um, you know, all the stuff that came out when, you know, these scouts saw, you know, uh, baby two and, 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 and big two throw side by side. You know, the stuff that came out about that was, and, and I totally agree with it, is, you know, Baby Tua had the stronger arm, uh, quicker release, and had the same accuracy as his older, as his older brother. And, you know, that, that kind of came out. And then the next thing I know is, you know, somebody's come out with a report where, you know, Jalen Hurts has gone to some, you know, quarterback, you know, bullshit uh, deal, and he's had some pro day, and he's looked great. And I'm like, who's doing this? Who's, who's performing a pro day the first week of June? Um, but, you know, getting back on track, um, you know, here, here's what, you know, people need to look at. And I am the biggest Jalen Hurts fan of all time. But guess what? Um, and, and, you know, I think the 8A game was indicative of it, but I saw something from – uh, the week before that even, you know, kind of cued me into it. There is no quarterback controversy in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, between Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Hurts. Um, it's already been decided who the starting quarterback's going to be, even though it's going to have to, you know, play out during the scrimmages and all that other stuff. But Tua Tungavailoa's younger brother is so talented I mean, Drew, you're talking about uh, a guy like June Jones, you know, that invented the fun and gun offense that's gone out there and said, this guy could possibly be, and I'm talking about baby Tua, uh, the number one overall draft pick um, when it comes time to him being, uh, you know, the starting quarterback at Alabama. And, you know, you and I have had a lot of spirited conversations going all the way back to uh, you and Ryan Fowler's uh, infatuation with Blake Barnett. Um, th those kind of conversations are over with. Um, but there is no doubt who the starting quarterback is going to be. Um, you know, whether 
Jalen Hurts is still on the team, and that's who Nick Saban trots out there versus Louisville. Uh, but by October 1st, there is no debate and no question who is going to be the starting quarterback for Alabama in 2018. And I think where things take a real tricky turn uh, to the worst, if you want to put it that way, um, and, and I think the kid, in my opinion, um, plays this up the best than anybody, is when, when you start you know, hearing interviews about baby Tua, uh, you know, the rising senior at Thompson High School, going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to compete with his brother. And when you start hearing his words about, you know, what he can and can't do, man, I love that kid. Um, you know, because it does screw me up, Drew. It may not you. I mean, watching, uh, you know, Tua as good as he is, watching that ball spin the opposite direction coming towards me, you know, turns me into a functioning retard trying to catch it. But I think what the best way to, you know, brand and focus this into Alabama, Alabama fans trying to understand this is when you look at that 2017 recruiting class that, you know, encompasses uh, Tua Tungavaloa, Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, all those great players combined with what Nick Saban's going to bring to campus in this 2019 class. You're sitting here looking at a six to possibly on the long range in an eight-year period of sitting here and watching Nick Saban, the greatest of all time, winning three to four national championships. I've said the same thing. I said recently that, on Twitter, that the, the quarterback position is about to go to the next level at Alabama, and I'm like you. I don't think there is a, a quarterback battle. When, when two is healthy, he's the there guy. There is one, Drew. I promise yeah. you there ain't one. Yeah, and then I'm really high on Talia. Uh, I saw him last year, and now since I saw him then, he started to reshape his body. Uh, you know, he's lost some of the baby fat. He, I think his mobility is a little bit better, but it doesn't even matter because you brought up a great point with June Jones. June Jones who now is the, the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL uh, with some cat named Jerry Glanville as his defensive coordinator. <laughs> Classic there. But, I mean, but, but June, he didn't even have to. He just he, he, knew one, he knew the head coach at uh, Talia's High School in Hawaii, and he called him and said, you know, hey, man, I would really like to be the offensive coordinator and work with this kid. I think he has a chance to be special. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the thing that's so great about that is Nalu – was uh, Tonga Vailoa, the father of Tua and uh, Talia, was the offensive coordinator at that high school. And then, of course, he gladly stepped aside uh, for June Jones to let him work with his son. And then, as they said, he set a state record. He threw 73 passes in one game. Uh, he threw for nearly 4,000 yards. Uh, and then he's made a lot of uh, – and I think coming to Thompson has helped him as well because we know how tough that region is. It's right down the road from you, William you know what Mark Freeman's doing over there as a head coach. And I just think Talia is continuing to get better. Um, I know he had some up-and-down moments at the Elite 11, but he made the top 12, and I think he's going to continue to get better and improve. And a lot of people think he is ahead of two at the same stage, and I think they're both special guys. And I think that battle with Mac Jones could be uh, really uh, really epic if, you know, if it happens. I mean, 
I, I hope Mac, you know, stays around after the next year because I know he's, uh, you know, he'll want to play. It wouldn't shock me if he transferred as well if they see how good, uh, you know, Talia is. Uh, but again, I do think Mac Jones has improved exponentially, and I'm really looking forward to seeing maybe those two guys battle it out behind Tua because Tua, to me, is going to take the reins of this offense and going to take it. Uh, maybe the heights uh, that we've never seen. But I will tell you, William, specifically where all that buzz was coming from because I watched the video. Tua, as I said, and Jalen were, were camp counselors out at the Elite 11 in California this week, and they let the camp counselors go through some of the same pro day workouts that they put the camp, the guys that were competing to get to the Elite 11. The, the camp counselors that are quarterbacks on the college level also did that, and that's where that came from. Jalen had a really good session throwing the ball against air, I mean, it is. It's air. I mean, you can't get too excited about it, but he still looked good. But so did Tua as well. Uh, and I, and then that, and that's when uh, Talia, you know, kind of cemented his place among the Elite Eleven. That's where the buzz was coming from. But again, uh, we've I've, we've we've both seen what Tua's done with the more opportunities he's gotten. And I just don't see how he's going to be denied uh, this job. And I think everybody understands that. now. And I think the, the transfer rumors are going to become more hot and heavy now that we're seeing Tua return to good health. When he was injured, of course, uh, Alabama wants Jalen Hurst to hang around. Somebody asked me on Twitter yesterday, uh, okay, if worst-case scenario, if Tua wasn't healthy, who takes the snaps for Alabama? I said, honestly, Mac Jones is the better passer than Jalen Hurts. But with Jalen Hurts' experience, you've got to believe Jalen will be the QB. But I agree with you completely, and I then that's when I followed up with Mac Jones can play. Really excited about Mac and what he brings to the table and how much he's improved. And I think he's a uh, I, 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 I know you've said this, William, but once Tua uh, and Jalen, of course, battle it out, Tua's going to be the QB. But even with Mac Jones behind him, when you bring Talia into the equation and even a developmental guy like Paul Tyson, then you'll still have Lane Hatcher. I don't think Alabama's going to have – they've never had that much talent at the quarterback position. And as you said, I've said this before, if, if, if Alabama – if Tua became the player, I think, and then they signed Talia, and this looks like it's all going to happen, uh, Alabama's never had quarterbacks like this. And I think Nick Saban can win three more national championships because they are going to be supremely talented. When you talked about this number one recruiting class that they're about to sign, in our opinion – come December and then February, and especially how talented it's going to be still building it from the inside out, uh, from uh, the O-line and D-line. And when you talk about all these five-star freaks that they're going to have uh, at their disposal uh, at the wide receiver running back and uh, tight end position, it's, I don't see how they're going to be stopped. I, as long as they're healthy and they stay hungry, and, and Nick Saban's been remarkable at keeping his teams healthy and hungry, and with this schedule coming up, because this schedule is very advantageous from a home standpoint for Alabama, Alabama is going to be tough to handle. And America is just going to have to continue to maybe drink themselves into a coma because, uh, and I know they, most uh, people outside the state of Alabama can't stand Alabama. And Alabama is like the Yankees now. They win every year. But just get ready because Kirby uh, Freeze, I mean Smart, he ain't going to be able to handle it either because, I mean, he, there's only one. You don't tug on Superman's cape and, I've been outspoken about that, but I don't think Kirby's going to be able to deal with Nick Saban. I think Nick's inside his head, uh, and I think uh, it's going to be some dark days ahead for some of the SEC because Alabama is, uh, you know, Nick Saban's, you know, he's 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 reinvented himself a couple times during his tenure, and I think Kirby Smart may have stoked a fire that uh, he didn't realize what he was doing, and it's going to be tough for him to handle. 
Drew, I mean, I, I, I don't want to piggyback on your back because, you know, you've said so much and it's all true. And I'm going to tell you this. I mean, you know, what is the one thing over the course of, you know, the Nick Saban dynasty that's been said about Alabama's teams that everybody's talked about? You know, it was, you know, losing Jameis Winston to FSU. Uh, you know, we had A.J. McCarron in 2013. You know, yeah, you can't blame the uh, – the kick six, you know, kick, the, the kick, sus, uh, kick six loss on on AJ McCarron, but let's let's fast forward to that. I'm telling you, and you've already touched on it. Um, getting to a 100% healthy is the, the the damnedest thing that I've ever seen. And when you factor it into a guy that is young and hungry at the defensive coordinator spot, Tosh LePoy, um, I can promise you this. Um, don't don't go to any games, and, and Bryant-Denny, I hate to say this, but don't go to any games at Bryant-Denny in September and October. There's only two teams that can even test the 2018 Alabama football team, and that's LSU and Auburn. Um, you set it up. Um, you know, this kid's going to be around for another year. Um, he's got it all. Um, he can throw all the passes. Um, yeah, this is coming from a confirmed Jalen Hurts nut hugger. Um, dude, he's got it all. And he's going to do it. And then you've got baby Tua coming up behind him. And it's going to be between uh Talia and not Paul Tyson, but Mac, Mac Jones, Jones. Yep, to yep. compete for that quarterback position. And they're gonna get just they're they're not gonna miss a beat because Nick Saban's gonna gonna sign the best offensive line and the best defensive line every year to go with those guys. And yeah. you know, Drew I want to ride this surfboard into oblivion. Um, it's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, it, it, it really is. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be epic, epic stuff. Can't wait to see uh, Dan Enos and what he can do with these quarterbacks. I'm, you know, had a chance to meet Coach Enos recently, and uh, really excited about what he brings to the table. I know you've always liked him as well, and uh, with the quarterback Absolutely. development. Yeah, his as he said, his passion is helping quarterbacks develop, and uh, with all this talent, I mean, it's going to be uh, real, some really fun times. And I think he's the offensive coordinator in waiting. Nick Saban already setting that up as well. But really excited to see what he and Mike Loxley uh, and the staff do uh, going forward. Well, we're going to wrap up this edition of Bams Radio. I'm I'm sure we'll be back with you in the near future uh, as more recruiting info continues to come out in June. Uh, with the camps. I'm sure Alabama's going to add some commitments. We'll be back to analyze that. Uh, just keep uh, your eye on our Twitter account, at BAMS Radio. Also, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to monitor uh, the uh, the situation with the incoming signing class. Everybody is pretty much uh, enrolled, except for Christian Barmore, who's waiting to graduate uh, from Philadelphia, you know, in Philadelphia. He'll he'll graduate middle of the month. Yabi Anoma went and graduated this past weekend. 
you know, he's, uh, he's already on campus. So he is there. As I predicted, there were some people saying that Jordan Davis would enroll uh, this Monday or, you know, uh, be a reporting to Alabama. That did not happen. He's pretty much the only guy left uh, with some questions because uh, he's taken the ACT four times. Uh, he's topped out at a 16, just to just go ahead and put that on the table. Uh, so he's, uh, he, you know, and he, he struggled to make that score. We'll see if he can. But, you know, he, they, it may be that he has to be placed in a prep school or a junior college. We'll have to see if Jordan Davis, he's still got some chances, maybe a chance or two in uh, June to, to make it. But the earliest he'll be there is July, Josh Job. Uh, finished up his classwork. He is uh, eligible as well. So it's basically just come down to the recruiting class with Jordan Davis. He's the last question for the 2018 group. And the 2019 group will continue to grow. And should some news break, we will certainly uh, be aware of that and uh, give our take on BAMS radio. But uh, we're going to uh, sign off for the for now. And uh, we had a great uh, hour with you. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. want to thank William Redfish Barger, also, the wizard behind the curtain, Thomas Watts, for producing. But this is uh, your co-host, Drew Yarman of BAMS Radio, signing off. Wanted to let all the listeners know, too, my show is now 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., uh, teaming up with Scott Tyson, my new co-host. Uh, Talking Ball is still uh, going to be uh, large and in charge. Uh, we started this week with our new time slot. So please, everyone, tune in uh, via 977thezone.com if you can. But we will also be podcasting it and putting that out on SoundCloud. So We'll still be bringing you uh, reaction every day, Monday through Friday, on ESPN 97.7 The Zone, and, of course, here with all our loyal listeners on BAMS Radio. But, everybody, thank you for joining us. Good night and roll tide, and we'll be talking with you again soon. Alabama football, always a topic of great conversation.